Sigma Tiger News. Are we going to war? What's going on? What time is it? It's getting hot and spicy. E-mind control? What could that be all about? Elon in on that? I wonder. Deep freeze ambulance. Demonic UFOs. Welcome to Sigma Tiger News, and you're here with the Sigma Tiger in the flesh. And uh, we're here five days a week in 4K, giving you the hottest, juiciest, beefiest news online. And uh, we're going to get right into it today. Let's go ahead and have a look. What's going on? NASA quietly funding theological conferences amid demonic UFO fears. All right, life beyond Earth. UFO expert Nick Pope has revealed that NASA is funding theological conferences because they want to get ahead of the game. So what does that mean? What is theological? What is theology? Well, it's basically uh, religion, the study of religion and the human belief in it. So he believes NASA is quietly funding uh, these conferences due to suggestions that the presence of UO UFOs could have something to do with demons or negative spirits. Yeah, so uh, a lot of these... Uh, people these whistleblowers that have come out have stated that you know this is more interdimensional than it is uh interplanetary so what's going on here i don't believe in demons myself but a lot of people do and certainly the bible talks about these things in terms of unclean spirits there's probably a faction still in both the u.s and the uk that thinks that some aspects of the ufo phenomenon are demonic one of their reasons for believing that is a passage in the book of Ephesians in the Bible that talks about Satan as being the prince of power of the air. Interesting. I think that it is undeniable that many of the world's great religions have in recent years started to think seriously and do some theological debate about what the consequences would be of discovering extraterrestrial life. Absolutely. How would uh, they function if there was other beings? That uh, Did God create those? Are those the angels? Um, the Pope had come out in recent years stating that if, in fact, alien life does exist, they would not be under the dominion of God, which is interesting. You think they would be if God created the universe? We know that the Catholic Church, for example, has issued several statements on this. One of them said there's no doctrinal objection to the existence of aliens because, as they put it, Man may place no creative limits upon God. Absolutely. So, yeah, he uh, created angels. He created humans. He created animals. That's what's stated in the Bible. So uh, perhaps he created other beings, maybe before he created humans. How about after? We haven't heard from God in nearly 2,000 years. So maybe he's been busy doing other things. NASA has quietly put in a bit of funding to theological conferences that have talked about this. I think it's more a case that they're hedging their bets and they're thinking, if it is true, they want to get ahead of the game this time and not get caught up in the sort of science versus religious dogfight that we saw in the Middle Ages. For example, with Copernicus and Galileo. Well, Galileo believed that uh, the sun was the center of the universe, or at least the galaxy, uh, not Earth. And, of course, he was jailed for that. 
Former uh, Ministry of Defense worker also explained that we can't rule out any possibility of extraterrestrial life. Christie said, uh, there appears to be some division online, as there always is when you're dealing with topics like this, as to whether or not we are dealing with extraterrestrials, whether we are dealing with technology that is either friendly in terms of US or Western, or whether it's China or Russia, or whether or not there is some presence of life that predates human existence here in this world. Yeah, what could be going on? I mean, there's a lot of talk about whether or not Antarctica is some kind of base for civilization that has been here uh, a lot longer than we have. What do you make of that? Well, there is something in the Bible called the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, a lot of people believe that uh, some sort of radioactive device, maybe something came from outer space. But it's mentioned in the Bible as being a weapon, uh, a tool of uh, destruction. And uh, it was lost. A lot of people believe that it was in Ethiopia, still is perhaps. Maybe it was in Egypt. Uh, some people believe that they did discover it, um, and uh, they contacted the uh, the Pope, and he come and took it to Antarctica. Now, that is a theory. That is not what I believe, per se. The UFO expert responded, one point that there is none of these theories are mutually exclusive. It's possible to envisage uh, a scenario where all of those things are true, that we have an extraterrestrial presence, and that some UAPs are attributable to secret prototype air aircraft, missiles, and drones. Sometimes ours, sometimes from an adversary. Absolutely, why not? Anything in this globe is possible. Maybe there's demons. Maybe there's interplanetary extraterrestrials. Perhaps it's interdimensional beings that we can't see from our uh, spectrum. We can only see in between infrared and ultraviolet light. How about dogs and birds? Perhaps they can see... Uh, in a different spectrum because oftentimes they'll bark and chirp and fly away from things that are not there yes even the idea i think i've heard it called the crypto terrestrial hypothesis the idea that there's another intelligence that we share this planet with and that they're down there somewhere under the oceans and under the ice well why not it's possible there have been uh, reports from military as well as civilians on airplanes as well as coastlines and ships that have seen uh, UAPs, or UFOs as they were formerly known as, uh, going underneath the ocean water and coming back out, flying 90 degree turns at high speeds. Things that uh, we uh, are not necessarily capable of with commercial um, vehicles. I think I'm a little bit skeptical about that because I think we've picked up more signs of them and if they were that advanced, they'd have done things like launch satellites that we could then detect. Or they're more advanced than that and they don't need those things. So I'm less sure about that, but having said this, when you listen to some of the US intelligence community whistleblowers, people like David Crush, uh, they are very careful in their terminology and they may use non-human intelligence i think this is supposed to be groosh and they probably got hit with a little uh uh auto correct so maybe the gb news editor will want to get on top of that one the reason they use that phrase is that they don't limit this to just the idea of extraterrestrials but they even consider things like what if there are other hidden dimensions and something is intruding from one of those perhaps now that sounds like science fic fiction but you know the large hadron collider the big particle accelerator is actively looking for those sorts of things. So yesterday's science fiction is today's science fact. Yes, the future is today, and today is now. So what's going on here? Expert testifies in court. Dominion voting 
systems easily hackable. And apparently in the courtroom, he uh, hacked these systems. Let's go ahead and dive right in on this one. Can you imagine that the uh, safest election uh, in history in 2020 using these machines uh, could perhaps not have been the safest? A voting system experts testifying in a Georgia trial last week demonstrated that Dominion voting system machines were so easily hackable he could use a big pen or a smart card to copy, edit, and change votes in seconds, according to Law 360 polls, which is covering the trial. Professor J. Alex Halderman of the University of Michigan, the author of a highly publicized report detailing deficiencies in Dominion's voting machines, testifies at an Atlanta trial Thursday in a case filed in 2017 against the state of Georgia. So even prior to uh, the election of 2020, the suit was originally filed by the Coalition for Good Governance, a liberal activist group, which claimed the state's use of voting machines, which include touchscreen computers to cast ballots without the benefit of a verifiable print ballot, made the voting counts susceptible to manipulation. Absolutely. Well, the only way for it to be guaranteed would be to uh, have someone take a picture, sign a piece of paper as they're voting. But that's a little too much. Paper ballots have been uh, discontinued in many places and replaced with these voting machines. Is that a good idea? Perhaps not. After the suit, uh, Georgia election officials changed their voting vendor in 2020 to Dominion Voting Systems, which also used a touchscreen ballot but provided voters with a paper ballot containing a QR code containing their vote information. The good governance suit, however, asked a federal judge to order Georgia to stop using Dominion since they claimed their machines remain vulnerable to attack. The suit also claims that Dominion machines offer voters a paper QR code that cannot easily be read to verify the accuracy of their vote. Halderman, who wrote a 96-page report in July 2021, began his demonstration before the U.S. District Court Judge Amy Totenberg in Atlanta by asking a plaintiff's attorney to borrow a pen. Law 360 Pulse reported the professor then inserted the pen into the voting machines, held it there for a few seconds, which caused the machine to reboot into safe mode. Hmm... Halderman then explained that a person could copy or change files on the voting machine, change its operating settings, or install malware. Absolutely. So safe mode is kind of like a bypass to the regular operating system's booting. Halderman said accessing the terminal emulator could allow a user to bypass the computer's normal security settings and obtain super user access, god mode, if you will. Something that allows a person to read, monitor, and change anything, including ballots, on the voting machine with no limits. All it takes is five seconds and a big pen. Halderman also inserted a $10 smart card into the machine. He said such smart cards can be programmed to replicate cards used by poll workers, voters, and technicians to access the voting machines. The poll worker and the voter cards can be used countywide to print as many ballots as you would like. Plaintiffs and attorneys played a video taken outside the courtroom showing Halderman using a USB flash drive to alter votes in a way undetectable to voters. The trial, which began January 9th, was over a case filed in 2017 by several voters and the Coalition for Good Governance against members of the State Election Board and then Georgia Republican Secretary and State Brian Kemp. So it looks like the Democrats, the Liberals, went ahead and uh, tried to say, hey, you know, the 2016 election was a little bit jacked up here. Looks like uh, these machines can't be trusted. Turn around, 2020, Democrats win. Most trusted election ever. These machines are absolutely flawless, infallible. And here we have a court case. Uh, it's in litigation. Um... Fox News settled the litigation with Dominion paying the voting firm $787 million, also leading to the uh, expelling of Tucker Carlson, one of their highest-rated uh, newscasters. During this period, Newsmax, 
Newsmax asked Dominion to appear on its network to rebuke claims made by the president, but Dominion declined to do so. In a democracy, there can be no more issue for important public discussion than the reliability of voting companies' technology, and the current Georgia trial underscores the fact that vulnerability of Dominion's voting systems, machines, methodology remain highly concerning and of ongoing public interest, Newsmax said in a statement. Absolutely. If you could put a pen into the machine and insert a card and you have access, then that machine is trash. And that's a fact. Missouri doctor found dead in firefighter fiance's home years after his previous lover died by suicide, in quotation. So what happening, What happens here? So here we have a lady. A Missouri doctor died unexpectedly at her fiance's home earlier this month, just over three years after another woman was found dead at the same man's residence. Perhaps the same residence. Dr. Sarah Sweeney, 39, was found dead at 6.39 a.m. at the home in the Westwood area of St. Louis on January 13th. There were no apparent signs of trauma on the body, Frontenac Police Department told Fox News Digital. While autopsy results are still pending, Sweeney's passing is being investigated as a sudden death. The Frontenac Police did not return comment. Sweeney was found in the home of her fiancé, local fire captain Robert Douse, her mother, Teresa Sweeney Light, claimed to Fox. Sweeney, who recently opened her own podiatry practice, and Douse met while the former was working as an emergency room was working in her emergency room shift shortly after she moved to the St. Louis area, the grieving mother explained. There she is, Dr. Sarah Sweeney, 39. Healthy young doctor. Uh, Douse is listed as the 911 caller on the incident report obtained. Uh, almost four years prior in July 2024, the firefighter called 911 from his previous address at Crevecoeur to report that his then fiance Grace Holland, allegedly shot herself in the head in front of him. Holland, a mother of four, was later determined to have died by suicide. Wow. Interesting. Holland's family, however, disputed the suicide ruling on the grounds that she was right-handed but supposedly shot herself in the left temple. Well, isn't that interesting? Her $20,000 engagement ring also appeared in the crime scene photos but later disappeared. Holland's family subsequently sued Douse for wrongful death. In the months before Holland's death, Douse supposedly controlled Holland's finances and threatened multiple times to end the relationship. Holland's family also suspected him of domestic violence and added, okay, very dubious allegations here. Uh, my brother in blue, my brothers in blue are not going to do anything to me. I've already taken care of that. You're the crazy girlfriend. A relative allegedly overheard Douse telling Holland at one point. So that would be inadmissible as hearsay. I absolutely cannot be with you. I'm not marrying you. The wrongful death litigation is ongoing. So um, the previous death is still going through the courts while a second one occurs. Interesting. By November 2021, however, Sweeney stopped answering messages from her mother and stepfather. She was a grown adult, a doctor, and a woman. We didn't know what to do. Light said of her concerns about her daughter's relationship with Dows. Light declined to speculate on her daughter's cause of death, obviously, but noted that the physician suffered from mast cell activation syndrome, which can be controlled through medication, but can be life-threatening. Okay, so there is uh, like a uh, highly likely uh, cause of death here that she was suffering from mast cell activation syndrome. So let's not speculate. Uh, let's go ahead and get all the information first. We just wish we could have her back. We just want closure. We want to be truthful and fair. And as of right now, we're still in shock, obviously. Well, there you go. Boom, boom, boom. The Houthis claim direct hit on U.S. warships. So... 11.35, maybe it's 11.40 now. We're getting a lot closer. The Iran-backed Houthi militants in Yemen claimed on Thursday that they hit a U.S. warship in the Gulf of Aden. 
in the Bab El Mandab Strait, while the U.S. said the Houthis attacked again a U.S. commercial shipping vessel in the area. In solidarity with the Palestinian people, and in response to the American-British aggression on our country, clashes occurred with a number of American destroyers and warships in the Gulf of Aden and the Bab El Mandab Strait. Houthi military spokesman Yahasari said in a televised statement carried by Turkey's Anadolu Agency. Houthi missiles made a direct hit on an American warship, forcing two commercial vessels the warships were escorting to retreat from entering the Red Sea. Uh, yeah, so the Houthis have been bombing commercial vessels and now a direct hit on an American uh, military asset. So what's going to happen here next? Uh, the U.S. Central Command said that the Houthis fired on Wednesday three anti-ship ballistic missiles from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen towards the U.S. flagged, owned, and operated container ship, the MV Maersk Detroit, which was transiting the Gulf of Aden. One missile impacted in the sea. The two other missiles were successfully engaged and shot down by the U.S. gravely. There were no reported injuries or damage to the ship, the Central Command said. Houthis continued to attack commercial shipping vessels in the Gulf of Aden and chose to and close to the uh, Bab el-Mandab Strait, forcing a growing number of cargo ships and oil tankers to divert away from the Red Sea-Suez Canal route to the longer and more expensive route, the Cape of Good Hope in Africa. So they have to travel all the way around. Yeah, and shipping rates are up like 300%, possibly more. Uh, Monday night, U.S. and U.K. forces carried out a new round of attacks on targets in Yemen, taking out storage sites used by the Houthis, drones, and missile launchers. There you have it. So uh, it's getting hot. They're claiming to have struck an asset. Well, guess what? Kim Jong-un talked about him yesterday, uh, palling and chumming up with uh, Putin, giving him some artillery to use and test, and uh, forming a new new world order. Well, guess what? Is he really considering war? North Korea experts by nature, a cautious group who seek to avoid sowing panic, have been left reeling by two of their own. So what's going on here? Last week, two of the eminent analysis dropped a bomb, so to speak, in stating their belief that the pariah state leader is preparing for war. So a group of North Korean experts, okay, believe that he's preparing for war. And why would they think that? Well, he's chumming it up with Putin. Kim Jong-un has scrapped the bedrock goal of reconciling and reuniting with South Korea, they said. Instead, he's presenting the North and South as two independent states at war with each other, as there is only a ceasefire going on between the two nations. We believe that, like his grandfather in 1950, Kim Jong-un, has made a strategic decision to go to war, wrote Robert L. Carlin, a former CIA analyst, and Siegfried S. Hecker, a nuclear scientist who's visited the North several times in an article on Special Site 38 North. Such a pronouncement sets off alarm bells in Washington and Seoul and a massive debate in North Korea watching circles. Most analysts, however, disagree with the war theory, the BBC spoke to seven experts across Asia, Europe, and North America, none of whom supported the idea. So there you have it. They have one rogue uh, expert stating that, you know what? In my opinion, Kim Jong-un is getting ready to start a war. Risking the entire regime in a potentially cataclysmic conflict is not, an on brand, is not on brand for the North Koreans. They have proven to be ruthlessly Machiavellian, said Christopher Green, a Korean watcher from Crisis Group based in the Netherlands. He and others... Note, the North often acts out to bring Western powers to the table for dialogue, and there are political pressures at home, too. So what has led to this? 
six days on from New Year's Eve declaration that it is fait accompli that a war can break out anytime on the Korean Peninsula as military blasted artillery across the border. North Korea has also claimed a test of a new solid-fueled missile and its underwater attack drones, which can supposedly carry a nuclear weapon since the start of January. So they're bolstering their, uh, their capabilities and they're putting it on display. Kim Jong-un would now be tearing down that legacy literally if he were to go ahead and do something. This is a big deal. It fundamentally alters one of the regime's core ideological precepts. Peter Ward, a senior researcher at Kukman University in Seoul. Traditional Korean dresses reaching towards each other, uh, built in 2001 to mark his father and grandfather's efforts towards the goal of reunification. So has he uh, dropped this? A limited strike in the cards. Perhaps he's just going to go ahead and fire a few bombs. So here's Pyongyang. This is the capital of North Korea, the demilitarized zone on the border. And here is Seoul, which they are capable of reaching with ballistic missiles. Are the South Koreans capable of denying that and defending A similar provocation again could be done to test South Korea's limits. Absolutely, can they can they uh, withstand uh, one of these missile barrages? Yeah, a lot of people believe it's for leverage. Does he have domestic goals? Perhaps he doesn't actually want a war, a huge gamble where he could have nothing to gain and everything to lose. Yeah, obviously, and that's always been the case. He doesn't have a large enough army. He certainly does have weapons. Do they work? We don't know. Russia's going to find out soon. Who would be exempt from conscription? So if we're at 1135, 1140, uh, in the 11th hour before war begins, then uh, there's a little thing called conscription. If you don't know anything about history, there was a world war in 1914 and a second one in 1940, around about, 1939. And uh, they didn't have enough soldiers. So what did they do? They said, if you are young and healthy, 18 to 35, then you will go to war so they put out a conscription basically uh, people will go door to door schools businesses wherever there may be young healthy men and now women in the new u.s legislation they slipped that one in there last year women can be conscribed to uh military duty like seoul or sorry uh korea for instance south korea they have two years mandatory so between the age of 18 and 30 you have to commit to two years of military service and they want it and you will do it or you uh, go to jail, I believe. So who would be exempt from conscription if we went to war with Russia? This is a UK article. Let's find out. Britain's top military brass this week suggested that civilians may be conscripted to join the armed forces in the event that a war breaks out with Russia. I believe Sweden came out and said, prepare yourself as well uh, to their soldiers. In a speech yesterday, General Sir Patrick Sanders said the UK was woefully under-equipped to fight an all-out war and said the government may need to mobilize the nation and start training a civilian army. Absolutely, they've given all of their artillery and um, funds to Ukraine and potentially a bunch to uh, Israel now as well. The general previously claimed Britain was facing a 1937 moment, referring to the two years preceding the Second World War. Uh, in his speech, Sir Patrick said Britain must be able to credibly fight and win wars on land. We need soldiers, boots on the ground, and could not rely on its Navy and air power for success. So the Air Force and the Navy, not good enough. We need an army designed to expand rapidly and enable the first echelon resource and second echelon and train and equip citizens army. That must follow. Well, what about drones? 
What about Boston Dynamics and the Tesla Optimus? Will these come into play in the next few years? Uh, things you don't need to feed, just maintain. Things that you can control 100%. Within the next three years, it must be credible to take to talk of the British Army of 120,000 folding in our reserve and strategic reserve, but this is not enough. His words echo those of Defense Secretary Grant Shapps, who said in a speech last week that the world is moving from a post-war to a pre-world war. Pre-war world. And the UK must ensure its entire defense ecosystem is ready to defend its homeland. Yeah, things are boiling. It's hot all over. We got a hot war between Russia and Ukraine. We got a proxy war with the UK, the US in there. We also have Iran uh, tickling uh, Pakistan. We have India and China talking about the border. We have the Houthis bombing military assets. We have the U.S. bombing uh, assets in Yemen and potentially Iran as well. What's going to happen? What do you think? When asked whether the Prime Minister agreed with Sir General Sir Patrick General Sir Patrick's assessment that the public could draft to wage war against Russia, Rishi Sunak's official spokesman today said no. So he's definitely being like, oh, <clears throat> definitely not. <clears throat> Do not say that. If a hot war busts out, you watch how quickly that conscription document that's already prepared gets put into legislation. Hypothetical scenarios. Mandatory military service was introduced during First World War under the Military Service Act. And you will see this again when things pop off. National Service Armed Forces Act followed in 1939. So what will the new one in 2025 be called? Stay tuned. Iran is now a legitimate target for Israeli missile strikes, senior minister says. Again, so here we have uh, Israel coming out and saying, well, guess what? Iran's uh, uh, fafawing, you know? So they're about to find out. F-A-F-O, hardcore. Iran is now a legitimate target for Israeli missile strikes. One of the country's most senior ministers has told the Telegraph, raising the prospect of an all-out war with Tehran, the Iranian government. In a wide-ranging interview, Nir Barkat, Israel's economy minister, also said Palestinians from the West Bank would never be allowed to work in the country again and would be replaced by more than a quarter of a million imported foreign workers. So you can see where uh, Israel sees this uh, Gaza, Gaza fight, war, whatever you want to call it, playing out. That's where you see it, right there. 250,000 imported foreign workers taking over uh, in Gaza. He also complained that the war in Gaza had not been fought aggressively enough. So he's a staunch believer in, in war. He's obviously a, a conservative, maybe far right. He said that uh, big as the crisis is, it is also a really big opportunity with governments around the world needing Israel's technical expertise uh, to global jihadism. The head of the snake is Tehran. So they often say uh, you take the head of the snake and the snake will die. So this is what they're referring to. Iran is a legitimate target for Israel. They will not get away with it. The head of the snake is Tehran. My recommendation is to adopt the strategy that President Kennedy used in the Cuban Missile Crisis. What he basically said then was a missile from Cuba will be answered with a missile from Moscow. Missile to Moscow. Boom, there it is. So uh, what they're saying is that if you send a missile uh, to one of our allies, then we are going to send one to one of yours. And there it is. Tensions are boiling. And guess what? The doomsday clock signals existential threats of nuclear war, climate disaster, and AI. What is the uh, 
doomsday clock. Okay, so a bunch of scientists, experts came around and they said, uh, guess what? We need a clock to warn humans of how dangerous we are. So they came up with this uh, doomsday clock and it was like at 11.55 forever and it's ticking up. Where are we now? Earth, for the second year running, is nearing apocalypse. A science-oriented advocacy group said, pointing to its famous doomsday clock that shows 90 seconds to midnight. We have one and a half minutes. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists made the annual announcement Tuesday rating how close humanity is from ending. It cited nuclear threat in Russia's war on Ukraine as well as the October 7th attack in Israel and the war in Gaza, worsening climate-related disasters and danger of generative artificial intelligence. So, what they're saying is that... Uh, that's why all these rich people are down in New Zealand digging giant bunkers, and that's why uh, Facebook Meta uh, CEO owner Zuckerberg has bought a massive compound in Hawaii in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and it's completely self-sustaining, growing its own cattle. Last year, we exported Rest amplified concern by moving the clock to 90 seconds to midnight, the closest global catastrophe it has ever been, says Rachel Bronson, CEO of the Bulletin Group. The risks from last year continue with unabated veracity and continue to shape this year. So it began in 1947, likely after uh, the end of the Cold War. It was close to 17 minutes to midnight. In the past few years, to address rapid global changes, the group has changed from counting down the minutes until midnight to counting down the seconds the group said the clock would be turned back if leaders and nations worked together, and specifically noted powerful countries that have capacity to do so, including the United States, China, and Russia. Absolutely. So there you go. Right-wing influencers are going full racist in anti-DEI rants. So diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this individual, uh, Amisha Cross, has a opinion piece about scapegoating, she states. Elon Musk, Charlie Kirk, and others saw Boeing having problems with its fleet and immediately blamed it on black people. Wow, that is quite the uh, assumption allegation there. So let's go ahead and dive in on this interesting opinion. Boeing has had its fair share of negative news covered lately as the company decades of corner cutting, outsourcing, and neglect led to some recent terrifying mishaps. You might wonder what this has to do with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, it seems that efforts to create more just and equitable workplaces are the scariest thing imaginable to certain right-wing influencers. So terrifying, in fact, that they could lead to aviation disasters. Well, no. The, what they're trying to say, and I believe Elon was quoted as, is like, uh, you know, why would you want the most colorful group of untalented pilots? Who cares what color they are? Or who they sleep with? Or what they feel like they want to be? Or whatever. I want the guy who can fly the airplane through floating rings in the sky and not touch them. You know, I want that guy. I want the guy who can go around imaginary air pylons and who can land a plane successfully without error. I don't care if he's a monkey. If monkeys can fly planes better than humans, then I want a monkey flying the plane. That's a fact. Elon Musk, the CEO of a car company whose vehicles have a tendency to catch fire, tweeted, well, there you go, when he mentioned the company. It will take an airline crashing and killing hundreds of people for them to change this crazy policy of D.I.E., the obvious innuendo is that black people are responsible for being Boeing's failures. Musk also referred to DEI as just another word for racism. So she's gone ahead and stated uh, or claimed that DEI is only about black people. So this person has no idea what she's talking about, clearly. Uh, DEI is diversity, which means more than just one race. 
Okay? All of them. Inclusive. Equal. So how is literally just stating that uh, innuendo that black people, like why would you just assume that? Are you black? Maybe. It's a black and white photo. It looks like you do have a little caramel in there. But Musk didn't stop there. He amplified a tweet that suggested black students have lower IQs, attacked HBCUs, and argued blacks have borderline intellectual impairment. This is eugenics, plain and simple. It's pseudoscience used to dehumanize blacks, not dissimilar to when pro-slavery white people argued that blacks were more suited for the fieldwork because they couldn't learn and had smaller brains. Well, <clears throat> well, that is obviously incorrect. Black people are the same as white people, just different cultural background and timeline. We're all humans. We're all capable. We all have brains, lungs, hearts, muscles. We're exactly the same. We just have different pigmentation, different cultural backgrounds. So this person is obviously triggered big time by being a specific race or having a specific color skin in the past. And perhaps she dealt with some racism. Everybody has. I lived in an Asian country. And guess what? Not all Asians like tigers. Okay? That's how it is. Sometimes Asians only like Asians. Look at Japan. Look at Korea. Look at China. Have a look. Not to be outdone, Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk, a vocal Donald Trump sycophant, used Boeing's issues to argue against the employment of black pilots. During a podcast, Kirk said, If I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, Boy, I hope he's qualified. Other MAGA celebrities expressed similar racist concerns. So a lot of these quotes could be taken out of uh, uh, context as like only the hot spot is listed there. No link to the actual tweet. So I won't say anything about, about that. But this person is obviously biased. And they believe, like, they're only caring about black people. So they don't believe in DEI. So whatever to that person. Perhaps she doesn't move her head very much when she talks. Because guess what? Psychopaths don't move their heads when they're talking. New study find. Uh, people who score high in certain psychopathic traits are more likely to limit head movements. Especially from the mouth up. Of course, we have to move our mouths when we're talking. But micro expressions you know if you if you're surprised your eyebrows perhaps may go up or you're upset your eyebrows may go down you know when you smile your eyes have a tendency to twinkle so here's a couple of murders ted bundy uh ramirez who's this guy is that the the dude who was eating people dalmer perhaps uh gacy john wayne gacy the clown the others I'm not aware of. Researchers have long noted that psychopathic individuals display certain behaviors during nonverbal communication, including the so-called psychopathic stare, the blinkless stare. The study analyzed video interviews of 507 inmates using tracking algorithms to measure head movements. Inmates who scored high in the antisocial traits, a facet of psychopathy, tended to keep their heads still. So you can see the tiger's always moving. He's in your grill, okay? Tiger's not a psycho. Tiger's educated. Maybe he already knew this. And he knows two of his head. Maybe he's a complete sociopath. One is the psychopathic stare. Dr. Robert Hare, the Canadian psychologist who developed the commonly used Hare psychopathy checklist, PCL revised, described it as an intense eye contact and piercing eyes, advising people not to make eye contact with psychopaths. Studies have documented that psychopaths, pupils, do not dilate when viewing scary or graphic images and that they tend to hold gazes uncomfortably long, especially when engaging in deception or persuasion. Yeah, they're trying to intimidate you. They want you to uh, be dominated, just like many animals will nose down or look away when you stare at them because they know 
what dominance is. And if you're staring into the eyes of something, then you are challenging it. And that's exactly what they do. So yeah, um, pupils don't dilate. Oftentimes when you see something that you like, your pupils will dilate, it can become larger. A new study published in the Journal of Research in Personality offers new insights into psychopathic stare, finding that inmates who scored high in psychopathic traits tended not to move their heads much during forensic interviews. It is finding that may be connected to the neurological underpinnings of the condition. So they're tracking the head movements. So there you go. If you're not moving your head a lot when you're talking, you know what I mean? You might be a psycho. Maybe it's because you're thinking so much about how to manipulate somebody. Let's go ahead. Let's move on here. Reign of terror motive remains a mystery in eight Joliet, Illinois killings. Suspect dead after manhunt in Texas. So what's going on here? Eight people were killed and nine shot in what Joliet, Illinois authorities are referring to as a 23-year-old deceased suspect, Romeo Nance's reign of terror. On Tuesday, Joliet police and Will County Sheriff's officials held a press conference to share the latest update on the delay days-long homicide investigation that ended with Nance dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound outside of a gas station in Natalia, Texas, after a police standoff. They shared that Nance's four separate alleged shootings in Joliet all took place on Sunday and that he was related to most of the seven victims killed at two homes in Joliet before shooting two male victims, one fatally at nearby locations. Motive for the slew of killings remains a mystery. We may never know the truth, of course, because he's dead, but chances are he was uh, begrudgingly uh, upset with his family. So tragedy there, we pray for all of the deceased. Six dead bodies found in a remote California desert were apparently shot and burned, reports state. Police would not confirm any details about the victims' identities. Police of California have not yet confirmed what led to the deaths of six people who were found in the El Mirage Desert this week, but remains reportedly appear to have been burned. So an attempt to uh, hide or conceal the deaths, or at least the identities of the, uh, the dead. Of course, the bodies were scheduled to be removed from the area sometime Wednesday, and they could not speak much further. It would be several hours still before we're ready for any bodies removed from the scene. We'll keep you posted on any further details in El Mirage. Keep your heads up out there. One of the most shocking things you will ever see, potentially, electronic mind control. Lawsuit proven and won in the United States. So you are the first person in history of the United States to win a court case that's based in a form of what's considered electromagnetic terrorism, in a way, right? Yes, that is correct, yes. How long did it take you to build a case? It took me a year and a half to build a solid case. Hired two private investigators. They both researched every single thing I said. I presented all my evidence, and the FBI immediately identified suspects. I took them to court and won. Now there's 21 laws against illegal implantation in the United States. Prior to that, if you've ever mentioned an implant, you are paranoid. You are delusional. When you talk to someone like James, what seems far-fetched and unbelievable then becomes really understandable. Having these implants in the body, it's a very real example of mind control. Now I understand how something like that can actually happen. Electronic harassment. James Walbert, Kansas man implanted with computer chip, goes to court. It's a very real 
All right, James Walbert, go ahead, check that out. Ambulance to the future. Whoa, what do you mean? What's that all about? Inside, where people are frozen in hope of life after death. If you don't know, Walt Disney had his head frozen, hoping to be uh, reanimated. Suspended in a deep freeze, the growing number of patients at the world's biggest cryopreservation facilities are taking a dice roll at another life. Some have been there for nearly 50 years. Despite the current odds being vanishingly small, they represent an increasing number of people opting for an indefinite existence at minus 196 degrees Celsius after their legal deaths. So yeah, what is the uh, legal precedent for reanimation? What happens there? Uh, the sleek white vats that stand in rows at the Cryonics Institute storage facilities in Michigan represent an increasing number of bodies, body parts, and pets from around the world, all opting for an indefinite existence at minus 196 degrees Celsius after their legal deaths. Frozen in liquid nitrogen, they await possible future technological advancements to revive them. Among these, living in this, living in this Arctic limbo as chefs, students, secretaries, and professors. And it turns out that the Brits are the most keen takers outside the U.S. President Dennis Kowalski tells Metro.co.uk that he regards the centers as a place of awe and responsibility. But it's more of a waiting game than a place worthy of sci-fi imagining. Long-shorting patient is Rhea Ettinger, has been in her sub-zero waiting room since 1977. Her son, Robert C.W. Edgar, a decorated War World War II veteran regarded as the founding father of cryonics, is also in indefinite storage, along with his first and second wives. Interesting, taking them both with him to the uh, second life, we'll call it. Very interesting. So, it's possible. You want to live forever. Uh, you don't want to go to heaven and do that. Uh, you don't want to follow the Christian doctrine and get that second life, that internal life. Then you can go ahead and freeze yourself in hopes that you will survive the apocalypse and potentially become reanimated. Go ahead and uh, check it out. Thank you all for joining the Sigma Tiger here, the day oneers. Congratulations, you are absolute winners, legends. And to all my new Sig Tigs, go ahead, like, subscribe, go ahead, share that around. Put a comment down there, tell me what you like. Sigma Tiger, signing off.